an old American folktale with a surprise twist ending. And then we go back to the conspiracy iceberg to take a look at a broadcast of an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants that may have caused an entire nation of children to have explosive diarrhea today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. It's a shock to me and probably to you as well that I got through that intro without laughing at the word diarrhea. Don't worry, you'll have many more opportunities to hear me laugh about it as we continue doing this episode. I recently bought a tablet with the gift cards my mom gave me for Christmas. It's pretty awesome. Now when I'm done recording and editing the episode, I just have Star Trek The Next Generation playing all day long. That's the one Star Trek series that I've been interested in that haven't seen every episode. I haven't seen all of the original series, not a huge fan of that, and I'm not into the new Star Trek, the... The, you know, like the the new movies and the new television show. I'm not into that. I like The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. I like all that stuff, but so that's what I got. So you, I'm just, that's a little warning. I'm sure in future episodes, the Star Trek references will get deeper and deeper as the show goes on. I'm Yeah, so get ready for a lot of Star Trek references. One thing I've learned when I've, I've been listening back to the show, there's one movie that I reference all the time. It's probably like every three or four episodes I make a reference to this movie, and I've never seen the movie. Ever. And it's Home Alone. I'm constantly talking about Home Alone-style traps in so many episodes. And then I was like, I've never seen that movie. But it's such an a iconic image of just like these improvised traps that a kid would make that's, that they're fairly effective. So Home Alone. But hey, I have no interest in seeing Home Alone. However, what I do have interest in, how is that for a segue, is telling you the story... Of Taylor Poe. Now, Taylor Poe is one of those things that is kind of like half cryptid, half 100% fictional. And you could argue that almost all cryptids are 100% fictional. But it's a story from American folklore, and I just thought there was something interesting in it. Maybe it was the visuals, maybe it was the creepiness slash childlike version of the story that I came across. This idea was actually sent to me by Ramsey. So if you're like, I don't want to hear Jason read off any more American folklores, blame Ramsey. But I found the story super interesting. Ramsey emailed this to me. So like I said, this is from North American folklore. And it centers, it's like in the early, or probably like late 1800s. It's an Appalachian. It's from the Appalachian. So it's like Hillbilly. Hillbilly story. It's a story of Taily Poe. He also goes by many different names, depending on who's telling the story. He have Taily Bones. Tail Bones. Uh-huh. Taily Poe. Tally Poe. I think they were just kind of making stuff up at a certain point. And they're like, Grandpa, tell us the story of the cat again. And he's like, which one? And they're like, Taily Bones? He's like, yeah, that was its name, Taily Bones. Like, I think they just started... Picking out different names, because Taylor Poe is kind of the name that it goes off of. So we'll give this a shot. We'll see how this works, because maybe it won't work. Maybe it'll suck, but we'll see. So Taylor Poe, in, 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 in the folklore, was a cat the size of a dog. As smart as a human, and incredibly vicious. Long, sharp, black claws, black fur. It was a night hunter, and it was had an exceptionally long tail. So I... Do tails make noise when they move? Like, if you put your ear super close to a dog's butt, would you hear a... Is the tails wagging? I don't know. I've never done that. Anyways, here's the story. There's multiple versions of this. I'm going to tell you the story that I read, and then we have actually a 
director's cut, a deleted scene, an alternative ending, whichever one you want. It's all the same. There's this hermit living in the Appalachian Mountains, and he has his three puppies. But they're not puppies, they're like big dogs. Big hunting dogs. Now, he's up in the Appalachians. He's just a dude hanging out. Imagine he probably has a beard and, like, a sawed-off shotgun and a hatchet. And he's just making ends meet up there. So, like, walking through the woods. He's got his three puppies behind him. Three big old puppies. They're actual dogs. Because if I keep calling them puppies, what happens to them is quite grim. He's walking with his three dogs through the forest. And he's looking for something to eat. And the dogs are like, oh, my stomach hurts. And he's like, whoa, that's weird. You guys talk. And they're like, I mean, woof. They're walking through the woods. This is not going to go well. They're walking through the woods. And he sees a rabbit. And he's like, oh, this is dope, dude. And he loads up his shotgun. I don't know why I used both blasts. But anyways, the rabbit is smeared across the forest. He's like, oh, I probably should have just used my rifle. He picks up what's left of the rabbit. Eats some of it. Feeds the rest of his dogs. And then he's like, ah, that I need more food than that. And he starts eyeing his dogs. And he's like, hmm. Which dog has the most meat on him? But before he can answer that question, he sees a long black tail sticking out of the bushes. Apparently. Somewhere. He doesn't see what it's attached to. He just sees a long tail. And it's going. And he's like, that's weird. I didn't know tails made noises. So he sneaks up on whatever it is. I don't know why he just didn't open fire on whatever was attached to the tail. But he sneaks up and he has his hatchet. He's watching the tail kind of... Now it sounds like the wind, apparently, but he walks up to the tail, takes his hatchet, and just (laughs) cuts the tail off of whatever it's attached to. He hears a loud yelp from the bushes, and it takes off. And he's like, oh, okay, that ended well. Now he has like this, I don't know, let's say it's like a two-foot-long tail, still kind of squirming and squirting blood in the bushes. And he's like, hmm, I'm just going to eat this right here. I'm just going to eat a hole. So he picks up the tail, and he opens his mouth. He's swallowing the tail whole, and he, dude, I'm just like, take your time, hermit. Take your t- okay, just hermit. Just okay. Breathe through your nose. Breathe, breathe. Yeah, there you go. Is that better? The hermit nods. <laughs> the hermit nods as he's breathing, breathing through his nose. Swallows the whole tail. The dogs are like, "What the hell just happened? We wanted some of that." Hermit's like, "Yeah." You wouldn't like that. It was disgusting, but I was super hungry. So they go home. That night, Hermit's laying in bed, and he hears a voice. He hears a voice in his dark bedroom. I don't know if he had a bedroom, because he's Hermit, so it might just been a one-room shack, but anyways, he hears a voice. And the voice says, Daily Bo, Daily Bo, who has my Daily Bo? I'm glad I'm a camp counselor at a fire now. That is what my life has become. The The hermit's like, oh my God, oh my God. He totally like freaks out. He wakes up. There's a huge black cat. It's the size of a dog. It just It's just what I described at the beginning of the story. Standing at the foot of his bed, looking at his stomach and is like, daily bow, daily bow. And the hermit goes, that's weird. I thought that was your name. And that wasn't what was in my stomach. And the cat looks confused for a second. Hermit calls in his dogs. <laughs> And Taylor Poe jumps out the window, assuming he has a window, again, because he's a hermit. Taylor Poe walks to the front door, opens it, and leaves. And the dogs chase after him. And the hermit's like, oh, man, that, that that was close. I don't know what that thing was. Eventually, the dogs come back, but only two of them come back. And he's like, that's not good. 
Luckily, I didn't really like that dog that much, so whatever. He goes to bed. Later that night, he hears the door open again. He's like, uh, uh-oh. Daily Bo. Daily Bo. Who has my... And he's like, dogs, get him. Like, he's totally freaking out. And the dogs... Ruh, 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 ruh. Chase Taily Poe back out of the cabin. Dude's freaking out. Only one dog comes back. And the dog that didn't come back, that was his favorite dog. Now the hermit is actually feeling sad. He's kind of left with the, the milk toast dog, the dog he didn't like. He's like, damn it. But he's trying to go back to sleep for whatever reason why he just didn't stay guard or lock his door at this point. Taily Poe shows back up, repeats his phrase, Taily Poe. Your hermit sends a dog after him. You get the point. This time, the last dog doesn't come back. And even though the hermit didn't like that dog, it was at least his last form of protection. The hermit stays up with his hatchet and his shotgun and is hiding under the covers. And he hears the door open again. And Taily Poe comes back in, jumps on the man, disarms him. They're wrestling over the shotgun. First round goes off. Wrestling, wrestling. Second round goes off. Taylor Poe takes the shotgun, unloads it, dismantles it, throws it in the corner like Jason Bourne. And then he just knocks the hatchet away. He's like, no, he, dis- he disassembles the hatchet too. He's like, turns into a bunch of splinters. And then Taylor Poe crawls on top of the hermit and says, I want my Taylor Poe. Just get to the point. I'm not going to say my phrase again. The hermit's like, I don't have your Taylor Poe. And Taylor Poe looks at him and says, yes, you do. And then begins ripping his stomach apart with his long claws. Now, I want to take a point to remind you that this story is often repeated in a book of scary stories for children. It is actually based on a real tale from the olden times in the Appalachians. But because it has a cat, because it says the same thing over again, and it has like this numerical like countdown, they've made it for kids. But the original, there's two original versions. One, Taily Poe rips his guts out, shreds him, pulls his bloody half-digested tail out of the hermit's stomach, and then looks at the camera and says, Now I have my Taily Poe. As the man slowly bleeds out, I imagine that Taylor Poe just left his body there. And the wounds were bad, but it wasn't an instant death. So he laid there for probably about 10 to 12 hours, bleeding and screaming as the stomach acid was kind of dissolving his own skin. But actually what killed him was exposure because Taylor Poe left the door open and it was the dead of winter. That's not a good story to tell your kids. Now, I don't think they, they, the, the camp counselor goes on. Then in the third hour, he was still in agony as the stomach acid spilled all... No, they probably leave that part out. But there's another part that most versions leave out. This was the part where I was like, okay, this is the story. This is the ending that I'd want to hear. It's the same setup, but one version ends like this. Taylor Poe jumps on the bed, disarms the man, and says, you have my Taylor Poe. And then he sodomizes the hermit. Now, <laughs> that's definitely left out of the children's version. Because everyone would be like, what's sodomize? And he's like, oh, the camp counselor is like, uh-oh. Should have read this other version. But in one tale of the story, whoever invented this, this idea is like the M. Night Shyamalan of the Appalachians. You have this creature. Who, does that mean he was sodomizing the dogs? Are the dogs like left in the forest just kind of like laying there smoking cigarettes? They're like, that was actually kind of fun. You don't knock until you try it, right? And the other dog's like, yeah, that, that was quite amusing. And then Taylor Poe sodomizes his hermit. Now, I'm going to have to say this, just, just, just to get this out here. I'm neither furry nor gay, but if, if a sentient, anthropomorphic, demonic cat 
appeared out of nowhere and wanted to have sex with me, I'm down. Like, you can't pass that up. Like, you, that's not a bad ending to that story. That's nowhere near as bad as bleeding out and dying of exposure or being eaten, having your guts ripped out by a cat looking for his tail. If the ending of a story is the cat simply sodomizing you and then you live, you're just smoking a cigarette with your dogs and you're like, that was surprisingly fun. I'll take that ending. 100%. Because you live. I mean, here's, here's a pro tip from an old-time bachelor. You can only bang so many baristas. At a certain point, if an anthropomorphic, human-sized, intelligent, evil cat showed up at my doorstep and was like, Hey, I saw you on Tinder. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to pass that up. I don't think I'm going to pass it. Plus, if I did, it would probably just rip my guts out. But, you know, at a certain point, that story is far more intriguing than just getting your guts ripped out. That's the story of Tallypo. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you learned a little bit about me in the process. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Okay, so we got Taylor Poe out of the way, smoking a cigarette. We're oddly relaxed, L- a little, a little sore, but not as much as we thought. Not as much as we thought we'd be. But it's time to get back to work. Flick the cigarette to the side. Unfortunately, we're in the Appalachians and it's dry now and everything goes up in flames. But that's actually perfect because what we're going to do is we're going to use the burnt out forest as a landing pad. Somehow I can whistle. Carpenter Copter shows up because we got a long journey ahead of us. We're leaving the Appalachians. And to be totally fair, I don't know where those are at. I think they're somewhere on the around the East Coast. It's like a hillbilly country. I think it's like like higher up in Tennessee, something like that. I don't know. Anyways, we hop in the carpenter copter. We're going to Brazil. Now, I have a lot of listeners in Brazil, and I have a few friends in Brazil. I want to say this up front, guys. All the information I have about the water quality in Brazil is strictly from news articles that I've read. If I'm wrong, let me know. I'm not trying to say Brazil has the dirtiest water in the world. However, the water supply in certain parts of Brazil, especially Rio, will play a part in this story. So we're on the Carpenter Copter. We are flying over the Atlantic, I think, headed down to Brazil. Now, while we're there, we want a little in-flight entertainment, right? So I go, hey guys, I got this DVD. I got this DVD of this SpongeBob episode. <laughs> just, just one, just one SpongeBob episode. You're looking at me like, why would you have a DVD of just one? Oh, no, don't worry about it. Here, I'll put it in, and you watch it, And but um, you might want to, like, sit to where your kind of butt is hanging over the side of the copter. You're like, what? What's going on here? And before you can answer a question or move to the side of the helicopter, I start the DVD. Now, this is a SpongeBob episode. On the, on the Carpenter Copter, we have, in particular, we got all of you guys, but we got Romantis Anon, and we got Marcus Atias Virilis, both of them personally requested the SpongeBob SquarePants story you're about to hear. They both are smart and they are leaning their butts off the side of the copter. I know you're still questioning whether or not you should, but please do that. Seriously, right now, hurry up, hurry up. The episode's starting. And they both hit me up on YouTube to request this, so I wanted to give a shout out to them. So, helicopter. Okay, that noise will make sense in a little bit. But as the helicopter lands, we land at a airport in Brazil. Very, very messy. Security guards come up. They're not only holding their guns, they're also holding their noses. 
because of the smell. So, SpongeBob SquarePants defecation Brazilian broadcast is the conspiracy theory we're going to be talking about today. It sounds like a bunch of words thrown together, and it most likely is. It most likely is just what we call word soup, where someone picked the funniest words and put them in a phrase. However, but what it is, the theory is this, is that there was an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants where when Squidward was singing a song, hit the brown note. The brown note is is a... As far as I know, it's mythical that it doesn't actually exist. But the brown note is apparently a free a sound frequency that causes you to poop your pants. That's why they call it the brown note. Uh, they've done a lot of stuff on it. South Park's done episode an episode on it. Mythbusters did an episode on it. But the conspiracy theory is that there was an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants that had weird visual imagery and Squidward singing because Squidward plays the flute or the clarinet clarinet and he played a brown note in the show and it made a bunch of kids in brazil have poop their pants however it wasn't just that it was that they pooped (laughs) they pooped out half their body weight most of these kids in one sitting just four pounds of poop just watching the episode of spongebob and you're sitting there and you're eating your goldfish crackers and you're like How long would I have to make that noise to equal four pounds? A lot. That would be a long noise. That would be like a loop I would have to do. So, for a second there, I was thinking, maybe I should try to do it for four pounds. But anyways, so that's a conspiracy theory. Now, the question is this. We have a couple questions about that. One, did it really happen? And two, why? So, as far as did it really happen... It's on the conspiracy iceberg, but that doesn't mean anything as far as the conspiracy itself being true. We can't say for sure that it 100% happened. There's no proof that Nickelodeon never came forward. You know, there was always that thing about the Pokemon episode that was causing epileptic seizures that was shown in Japan. There's been a lot of controversy about that because kids did go to the hospital for that. Kids did have to go to the hospital for that. And the broadcaster was saying it had nothing to do with this. It was some psychosomatic mass hysteria that was going on. However, we won't show that strobe effect ever again. That strobe effect has been repeated, and we haven't had these mass epileptic seizures. Hasn't been repeated on broadcast television, but it was shown to other people because when they were trying to figure out what caused these kids to freak out, doctors and scientists and stuff like that were watching the video, and they're like, this wouldn't have caused it. There must have been something else that caused it. And the kind of consensus last I heard was that one kid probably had an epileptic fit due to it because he was epileptic, and then there's just this mass hysteria thing going on where other kids are just like, I don't feel good, Mommy, and that got wrapped up in this whole thing. So could this episode, could Squidward have hit the brown note and made a bunch of kids poop four pounds of poop in a heartbeat? And end up in the hospital. We don't see any news like we did with the Pokemon of a mass amount of kids being rushed to the hospital for uh, what would only be described as explosive diarrhea. We haven't, we've never seen any of those reports. Now, part of the conspiracy is it was covered up because the SpongeBob SquarePants defecation Brazilian broadcast happened right before the Rio Olympics. And so they didn't want the publicity that a bunch of kids were just everywhere as world leaders and athletes from all around the globe are coming there and they're like oh gross like they didn't want that now 
the other side of the theory is that it wasn't a actual SpongeBob SquarePants broadcast. Someone had jacked the signal. Someone were someone basically made their own SpongeBob episode and inserted it into the feed for the actual SpongeBob channel or where the SpongeBob episode would be. So it was a fake episode specifically to make people do this. First explanation was it was a SpongeBob episode and it just happened to have this effect. Then the theory was, no, it was a bootleg SpongeBob episode that was specifically designed to make kids go poop. Just blow up. Blow their butthole up. So let's take a look at that. Now again, we don't have any proof that the SpongeBob SquarePants defecation incident ever happened. We don't. And we do have it with the Pokemon story. At least the kids being rushed to the hospital. But let's look at the idea that... There was a bootleg episode. Is it possible that someone would have a reason to make all the kids in a particular geographic area have uncontrollable diarrhea to the point where they're being transported from their home to the hospital? So keep that in your mind for a second, because we're going to work with that in a moment. However, one of the interesting pushbacks to the whole SpongeBob SquarePants idea of it being a broadcast is that we're leading up to the Olympics. So we're in the year 2016. And this is where I don't, again, I'm not meaning any insult to my Brazilian listeners or my friends in Brazil. But when the Olympics were coming up, there was a serious concern with the water supply in Rio de Janeiro. Here was a headline. This was a headline from an article when I was researching this. Rio 2016. Swimmers need to ingest only three teaspoons of water to be almost certain of contracting a virus. So in the city of Rio, you have waterways that are infected with raw human sewage. And this water can make you have diarrhea. They were telling people who are coming over to Brazil, don't put your head underwater. If you don't want to get sick, don't put your head underwater. And swimmers were like, that's not possible. So where you would have swimming and rowing and all these water-based events, that water was coming from waterways that were infected with bacteria and toxin. That would make you sick. There's a quote. Water pollution has long plagued Brazil's urban areas, where most sewage isn't collected, let alone treated. In Rio, much of the waste runs through open-air ditches to fetid streams and rivers that feed the Olympic water sites and blight the city's picture-postcard beaches. So, you would have a guy who's been training in a sterilized pool, in a chlorine-infested pool, in deepest Russia for the past 18 years, and now he's swimming in this pool that is full of bacteria and viruses, his his immune system isn't going to be able to handle it. It said prime beaches remain deserted because the surf is thick with a putrid sludge and periodic die-offs leave the Olympic lake littered with rotting fish. So it was not the cleanest water supply. You go, what does this have to do with SpongeBob SquarePants? Here was a push. Here was a bit of pushback on the conspiracy theory. There was no SpongeBob video. There was no hijacked broadcast. What happened was just the water supply over there is so bad that you had an outbreak of some sort of stomach disease, some sort of intestinal bug that did cause a bunch of kids to poop out half their body weight and they covered it up. The Brazilian government was like, dude, it's three days till every major country and some minor ones come here to compete in the games. We don't want the news headlines to be about all these kids in the hospital. So just bury it. And from that, if if people, if a bunch of kids got sick and started pooping and they didn't hear anything about it in the media, but they're like, well, that's weird because I got sick and this other kid down the street got sick and this kid got sick and the, no one was explaining it was some sort of intestinal bug in the water that was going around because they didn't want to have the cover, the bad coverage. 
the conspiracy theory could have pulled up and they said, it's weird that all of these kids got sick around the same time and that's the time that SpongeBob SquarePants is showing up. But again, if it was that intestinal bug, we didn't see any massive outbreaks of explosive diarrhea among the Olympians. So it could have just been... First off, it could have never happened. There, there could never have been an outbreak of four pounds of diarrhea across Rio. That's the f- most logical answer, and the whole thing is just made up. Secondly, it could have happened, but it had nothing to do with SpongeBob. It just had to do with really, really bad water quality, and that story was covered up. And then two, it happened. It was related to SpongeBob for whatever reason. Someone was either did it on accident, someone put in a frequency that shouldn't have been there, or someone did it on purpose. So let's go... Let's use our imagination caps. Carpenter Copter has landed in Brazil. We're spraying it out because I told you to hang your butt out the side. You didn't and you watched the episode. So we're spraying it out as you shamefully go out to buy a pair of pants, a pair of hot pants. And we start to explore the idea that what if, I have no proof of this, but we're just using our imagination caps. What if the SpongeBob broadcast was real and it was a weapon? So around a couple months before the Rio Olympics, There was a rumor going around in conspiracy circles, mostly on 4chan's conspiracy board. And it might have even been on their politically incorrect board. But there was a rumor going around that in, I think it was October of 2016, September, October of 2016, a group of people were going to release an airborne version of Ebola. They were going to launch it first in China, and then they were going to let it spread across all of Asia, Europe, and down into Africa. And the second it started to appear in China, this group, whoever they were, they were never named, it was this nameless group, were going to use their influence to shut down the airports and waterways in and out of the Americas. So North and South America would be completely safe from this. The second it took hold in a city in China, everyone is going to shut down. And the rest of Europe would really have nowhere to go. And the goal of this airborne Ebola virus was to create a world where the Americas ruled supreme. It wasn't just the United States. It was basically like this us versus them, us being Canada, United States, and all of Central and South America and Mexico. It obviously didn't happen. But what was interesting was it was going on for a while. I know people who listen to the show who are old timers on, on 4chan will remember that story. Because it was building for a while. And I remember thinking, that would be awful. And of course, it's possible to bioengineer a weapon like Ebola and make it airborne. You're taking a big risk that you can shut down their waterways before that one person in China hops on a plane. But, you know, the reward is you conquer the globe. You have a planet now that has two continents worth of people. And you have everything else. And I guess Australia, well, if they didn't shut down their their airways enough, they would be taken over, Japan and all that. But that was a conspiracy theory. And I remember thinking, that could happen. That could happen. But then someone beat us to the punch. So if that conspiracy theory was true, there was a group planning to unleash airborne Ebola in September of 2016. Someone beat us to the punch. There was a huge outbreak of Zika. And for the first time... A lot of people, I had never heard of it before. For the first time, a lot of people all around the world were introduced to the Zika virus. Now, the Zika virus, it's a mosquito-borne virus. You get bit. Once you're infected, you get like a headache. You don't feel that good. You know, you're like, oh, I feel a little lethargic. And then after about 10 days or so, you feel better. You have it in your system for up to 81 days. You're still contagious. And so it takes a mosquito to bite you, but you can spread it through 
different bodily fluids. And the problem is, is that if a pregnant woman gets the Zika virus, her baby gets this disease, is at a higher chance of getting this disease called like microphalagy, where they have a little tiny head. So massive brain damage. And we started seeing this huge outbreak of this disease in Brazil and in South America. And it came to the point where it got, it spread to America. It came to the point where the governments were like, don't get pregnant. Where the Pope, who, you know, the Catholic Church is against birth control. The Pope was like, it may not be a bad thing if it prevents the Zika virus. Not having a baby may not be a bad thing if it prevents Zika. Because the effects of having a baby infected with this microphalagy is lifelong. And I remember watching that that virus get a lot of coverage in the media, and I thought, someone beat us to the punch. If that conspiracy was true, that the Americas were going to launch this airborne Ebola, someone on the other side said, yo, really? Really? You want to do that? Let me show you what we've developed. Now, the Zika virus had been around for a while, but they had never made a connection between Zika and microphalagy. And I know I might be pronouncing that wrong, but the tiny brain disease... And they don't know if it was a new strain of the Zika virus. They don't know why the Zika virus was so really... They don't know why the Zika virus was so aggressive this time. And again, in make-believe conspiracy land, you can imagine this. One group is going to launch an airborne Ebola in Asia. Another group says, if you really are going to do that, we will sterilize your entire countries forever. Here's a taste. They released this biological weapon in Brazil... And we see it happen, and they go, okay, if you do your Ebola thing, we're going to make that a permanent thing. Like, here's a little taste of what the Zika virus can do. We can make sure every mosquito that's possible will carry this stuff. We can turn this airborne. We may not be able to Ebola melt your blood out, but we can make sure that every fifth pregnancy from now on in all of your populations, they'll have a born, they'll be born with a little tiny baby head. So what do you want to do? And so the Ebola people back down, and then the Zika virus people said, okay, we're not going to release our full... Because it's it's bad, but it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. The Zika people are like, okay, you're not doing the Ebola thing. We're not going to sterilize your entire continents. Do I have any proof of that? Absolutely not. I said earlier that Zika caused... I said earlier that Zika could be spread by bodily fluids. A little known fact, a very little known fact, one of the things that can spread Zika is diarrhea. If you have diarrhea, all the liquid can actually spread it. So people at the time knew, stay away from mosquitoes, stay away from semen. Semen can also spread the Zika virus. But they didn't know about the diarrhea, it being spread through diarrhea. If you, if a little kid has Zika and he goes, oh, I don't feel good, and then 10 days later he's feeling totally fine, not thinking anything of it, he still has a Zika virus in him for 81 days. And the, the way that the Zika virus, if you wanted it to be a bioweapon, you would need it to target predominantly women because those are the ones that had to worry about getting pregnant. So let's t- wrap this all up in a bow. You have a group in America that wants to send Ebola to Asia. And win this w- a war, whatever they're waging. The powers that be are fighting against each other. Then you have a group in Asia, Europe, Africa, wherever they're based. And they go, we're not going to let them do that. So they spread the Zika virus in Brazil. And it's not catching on as quickly as they want. Because it has come very clear to the health organizations in the Americas, Zika virus is being spread by mosquitoes. And if we can protect pregnant women from mosquitoes, then we can slow the halt of this tiny brain disease. But the people who aren't being protected from mosquitoes, which would be men and children, because they don't have to worry about getting pregnant, 
they're still getting bit by mosquitoes. They're still like, ah, oh, man. They're getting infected with that Zika virus. So someone on this group, someone in this other conspiracy organization says, well, we know that the women are being protected from mosquitoes because they had to wear all, they put all this mosquito netting up. But these kids are still outside playing football. So what if these kids who have Zika, we can infect their mothers in another way? People are like, well, how do we do that? And they're like, well, if they have diarrhea and the mothers touch that, they can get the Zika virus. And if they're pregnant or are going to become pregnant, this will happen to their children. We And then again, the health organizations in the Americas would go, how in the world did all these women just get it? We have all these protective things. We're telling women not to be anywhere near mosquitoes. We're providing mosquito netting for these houses and things like that. So if you wanted to have a bunch of people who had the Zika virus spread it to their mothers in an afternoon, insert a broadcast on television that a one-time broadcast, no one else would see it. It would just disappear into the ether after it was shown. That would cause all these little kids all over the city to have explosive diarrhea. It would make such a mess. And the mother's cleaning it up and taking her kid and taking the kid to the hospital. And the liquid is everywhere. It's in the taxi cab. It's in the waiting room. It's on the hospital bed. And every single person who touches it would be like, gross. But they wouldn't think of Zika. They wouldn't think that this little bit of liquid can ruin a baby's life forever. This is how we're going to help it spread. And this is another warning to the conspiracy group that's trying to pulverize 70% of the human population that we are truly willing to redefine the term fighting dirty. And the aftermath of that, it would be a messy afternoon, but even if you only hit one-tenth of the pregnant women in that city. You have women who already have kids, so the chances of them having another kid is higher than just a mosquito flying and biting random women. They get the Zika virus. They have a kid. They have this problem. The, The tiny brain disease not only affects the family, it affects the economy. Governments need future workers to keep going. So they may try to take out us out with Ebola over here, but we can devastate them right now. And we will let them know with this 30-minute cartoon that all bets are off. They better not try anything in a few months. And oddly enough, there was no airborne Ebola and the Zika virus has pretty much kind of fallen to the wayside. It still happens, but not nearly as bad as they thought it was going to. Was there a bioweapon attack planned for Europe, Asia, and Africa? Was it stopped by a bioweapon attack in South America? Who knows? Most likely, probably not. However, it's an interesting story. And I have no proof of any of it, but I think it's an interesting story. And sometimes, that's all you need to have a good episode, is an interesting story. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O'Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. But I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. (laughs) 